Hello, Americans. Stand by for news. Yes. Please do. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. For news. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, and in Cottage Grove, on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii, on KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, on WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV. In Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. KODX in Seattle, Washington, in Red Bluff and Redding, California. We're on KFOI in Round Mountain, California on KKRN and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet-based. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com, blanketing planet Earth five days a week here on the Bradcast. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you, Desi Doyen. For joining us as ever. As ever. I do every day. (laughs) Thank God you're here. Uh, Speaking of thank God you're here, hey, here's some good news to start off the day. The the number of women running for seats in the U.S. House of Representatives set a record today. The vast majority of them Democrats motivated by angst. Angst? What angst? Over President Donald Trump and his policies and those of the Republican-controlled Congress. AP reports that uh, their ranks will continue to grow in the weeks ahead, with filing deadlines still to come in more than half the state. So we have broken the record for women running for the U.S. House, and the filing deadlines... They ain't even over uh, yet. Not even close to over yet. In many places, women are running for congressional seats that have never had a female representative. Kara Eastman of Nebraska, one of uh, two Democrats vying to challenge a Republican incumbent in a district centered in Omaha, says it's about time. Yes, I agree. Well, you would (laughs) because you're one of them. Yes, I am. After Virginia. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) After Virginia released its candidate list uh, on Thursday that made a total of 309 women. From the uh, from the two major political parties that have filed candidacy papers to run for the U.S. House, that tops the previous record of 298 back in 2012. So uh, we're really only about 10 over the previous record, but still half the nation's uh, half the states in the nation are yet to uh, get to their deadline. 
and that is with half the nation's population, over half the nation's population being female. Four, nonetheless, four out of every five members of the U.S. House are men. Maybe that will change. The women, of course, will still have to survive party primaries and win the general election, often against incumbents. But even with the record uh, numbers, women are still outnumbered by male candidates, at least for now. Experts say the sheer number of women running combined with so many House seats open due to retirements or resignations provides one of the best opportunities for women to make real gains in terms of representation and, the important part, a change in priorities. Many of the female candidates are focusing their campaign messages on things like health care and education, uh, early childhood development, family leave and workplace equality, uh, some of which I hope to talk about a little bit more today. Eastman, uh, who said uh, it's about time, said she was motivated by Republicans' attempt to cut health care coverage for low-income people and rollbacks of environmental protections. Those are good motivations as far as I'm concerned. As far as you're concerned. <laughs> but again, uh, you're a woman. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of environmental protections, we've got a Green News report coming up a little bit later. And uh, Des, keep an eye on your uh, iPhone there. Let me know if Scott Pruitt has been fired before we get off <laughs> air today. You know, it, it, it could happen. I, I'm, I was dubious before, but uh, these days, I, who knows? I, don't, I do not see how he survives all that is going on, including a, uh, a late report from the New York Times, which we'll see if we have time to get to here. Uh, but, I mean, there are so many things now coming out about uh, Scott Pruitt. I it's, don't... it's like a rising tide. It, it reminds me of, like, rising sea levels or something like oh, that. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see where you're going. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, this AP story reports also uh, 40 women are running so far in governor's races as well. That is also a record. Not yet a record for the number running for U.S. Senate. Uh, but again, those filing deadlines aren't here, so maybe we'll see more uh, than we saw in 2016, which was a, a record for female Senate candidates. Uh, Forty ran that year. All right, we uh, had been talking earlier in uh, in the week about this this Sinclair Broadcasting nightmare that I am so glad that people are finally noticing, finally paying attention to, because these are our public airwaves that we're talking about that are being taken over by this insidious company, Sinclair Broadcasting, uh, and they don't label themselves, they don't brand themselves on these television stations, these public airwave stations. They don't label themselves as Sinclair. They're, you know, all different networks, uh, affiliates, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, so nobody really knows um, who, uh, who is pulling the strings on these stations. Now, finally, folks are waking up Democrats, at least one Democrat, seems to be waking up here a little bit uh, after decades of Democrats just essentially ceding our public airwaves, whether it's radio or television, to these right wing corporations to uh, to pile their propaganda on. Uh, in any event, during a discussion between Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, his office and Sinclair Broadcasting 
back in November of 2017 about the company's proposed merger with Tribune Media, Sinclair staffers indicated that the company does not dictate the words or content that local reporters deliver. According to a Durban spokesperson who uh, spoke with TPM on Wednesday, but evidenced by the viral infamous compilation of videos showing dozens of Sinclair-owned station reporters repeating a scripted denunciation of fake news and one-sided reporting, Durban has now asked the company's executives to please clarify its position, its policy on the must-run promotional segments that have been airing on those stations and that went viral in that video over the weekend. Sinclair regularly mandates that local news anchors read scripted, company-sponsored content. It also requires local stations to run a daily fear-mongering terrorism alert desk segment and right-leaning commentary from Trump administration pundits like Boris Epstein. He's a former spokesperson for Donald Trump. In a letter to Sinclair executives, uh, to Sinclair executive chairman David Smith on Wednesday, Senator Durbin called the recent scripted promotions a continuation of the company's troubling history of, quote, dictating content to its stations. He also questioned why Sinclair staff misrepresented its policies at this uh, November meeting that they had with him in which Durbin had discussed his concerns about this merger. Sinclair is already the largest uh, broadcasting group, largest owner of local stations in the country. That will get even larger if they are allowed to purchase Tribune Media. His letter says, in response to concerns raised by my staff about the consequences of Sinclair-mandated programming on local reporting, Sinclair representatives repeatedly represented that Sinclair does not dictate the words or content that local reporters deliver and that any national content distributed on Sinclair-owned stations is delivered by an identified national correspondent. That would be Epstein or Sebastian Gorka, who recently did one of these things. Uh, the letter says that the requirement that local news anchors deliver a, skip, a scripted promotional message on air is inconsistent with those representations. That's a generous way of putting it. A Durban spokesman uh, said that the senator's main concern about the merger stems from the issue of independence for local media and the journalistic integrity of those local news stations. Sinclair currently owns more TV stations than any other broadcaster in the U.S. And if the merger is allowed, Sinclair's reach would extend to 72 percent of American households. Now, there is a rule that had been in place that uh, no one uh, uh, owner, no one broadcaster was allowed to reach more than 38% of American households. But the FCC changed the rules last year to uh, jimmy that essentially in a way that would allow uh, Sinclair to uh, take over Tribune Media. Currently, both the Department of Justice and the FCC are separately reviewing the $4 billion deal to determine if it's in the public's interest. Oh, do you think? Is this in the public's interest? What could possibly be in the public interest about having one huge company, frankly, right-wing 
left wing, if there were such a company or in between, what could be in the public's interest about, uh, you know, having that much power? Having one company. Yeah. Having access to 72 percent of households, one perspective, one company. Under FCC rules, a single company is limited to owning stations that reach no more than 39 percent of the households, according to The New York Times. Well, uh, Sinclair's chairman, David Smith, who received this letter, has not yet uh, replied directly to it. He didn't reply to TPM, who was seeking comment. And uh, but he defended his company's practice of forcing local stations into broadcasting these must-run promotional pieces in this bizarre email thread with the New York Times. Smith wrote in an email to the Times when he was asked about the uh, viral deadspin video that uh, was, was published over the weekend. He said, you can't be serious. Do you understand that as a practical matter, every word that comes out of the mouths of network news people is scripted and approved by someone? Smith told The Times that the perception that his company is trying to force right-leaning messages on local viewers is, quote, nonsense, calling the promotional segments standard practice in the industry. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ha- I have yes. to jump in here. Okay. Uh, okay so as you know, yeah. I once worked as a news writer at a major market television station here in Los Angeles owned by Tribune Media, a station that, by the way, would be taken over by Sinclair yep. and giving them access to the number two news market in the United States. Right. Um, I was a news writer. And yes, it is true what the CEO of Sinclair said, that every word that does go out in a newscast is approved by somebody. But in our case, it was only approved by the managing editor and the somebody top, who was at that local news station not somebody, somebody from a faraway place exactly none of that content was mm-hmm. dictated by anyone it was written by journalists trained journalists uh, screened journalists and it was approved by uh, longtime managing editors and 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 anchors who were all also trained journalists who uh, had the highest level of journalistic integrity in mind well what he's doing here is comparing uh, his company's ownership of all of these varied stations from all of these varied uh, n- network affiliates yeah he's purposely uh, to a network them. he's saying I'm a network now and therefore I am ABC I am NBC I can now do whatever I want and dictate whatever I want he says do you understand that every lo-, and I don't know where he's from but I seem to be giving him a southern accent here <laughs> do you understand that every local TV station is required to run must run from its network their content and they don't own me he wrote in this rambling email exchange with the times that would be all their news programming and other shows such as late night talk which is just late night political so-called comedy wow he says in his so he's basically you know saying we are a network now we are like network programming but they don't want to be treated like a network when it comes to fcc ownership rules and he's conflating and purposely misleading apparently believing that the folks that he's talking with don't understand how newsrooms actually work the attention on sinclair has embarrassed frustrated angered current and former employees some of whom have decided to finally speak out about the promo and uh, about working for Sinclair. One employee who spoke uh, to the Times on the condition of anonymity out of fear for his job said that he was troubled by this, uh, by the promo, 
uh, and that it had overshadowed his station's journalism. Employees at one Sinclair-owned station, KATU, in Portland, Oregon, received an email from their general manager warning them not to reply to calls or complaints about that uh, that video, about that promo and the, the viral version of it over the weekend. Quote, please do not answer any questions or get into any discussions with callers as they try to navigate to someone internally. The general manager, Robert Truman, wrote uh, to uh, to staffers there at KATU. He said, quote, most certainly don't talk to any press about this issue. I've said this before, but people in the news business are the worst at talking to people in the uh, in the news business, at least on record when it comes to news things. Uh, and no small bit of irony there. You know, they complain when, uh, you know, a public official won't talk to them. But when they become the news and somebody wants to comment from them, they don't want to hear it. No, they don't. <laughs> um Aaron Weiss, who had worked several years ago as a news director for a Sinclair station in Sioux City, Iowa, said across the entire company, I can tell you there is very little respect for the must-run pieces that they're forced to use. He said, I'm sure you can find pockets of folks who think they're great, but in general, no one thought that those were good journalism. Weiss, uh, who wrote an op-ed about this and appeared uh, yesterday on CNN, he isn't the only one uh, now speaking out about this, but of course he no longer works for Sinclair, so he feels more free to do so. But a few, very, very few, frankly, uh, are at least beginning now to speak out. An anchor for a Sinclair broadcast group-owned station in Texas said it was, quote, awful having to read the recorded messages uh, decrying uh, fake news and news uh, and and media bias. WOAI anchor Delane Matthew wrote on Facebook this week, "Quote: Trust me, this was awful." She said, "We had several closed door meetings and even had to re-record our version because we looked so mortified in the first <laughs> oh, cut." She man. said, "Yeah." Uh, she she made the comments in response to a critic uh, on her Facebook page, adding that it, quote, sucks that she had to read the messages. We gathered our composure, did our job knowing this would happen, she wrote, according to my San Antonio. She said, quote, it sucks. It just does. When the Facebook critic had written to her, uh, shame on you, News 4 San Antonio, Matthew responded, yeah, shame on us for wanting to keep our jobs so that we could continue to support our families. She says this wasn't a choice nor a script that we wrote. Not everyone at these stations is uh, is sticking with Sinclair, however. Uh, a morning TV producer at Sinclair-owned station in Nebraska has resigned in protest of what he calls the company's, quote, obvious bias. This would be Justin Simmons who gave notice at KHGI-TV in Nebraska uh, last week. This was after Sinclair's corporate headquarters had mandated that local anchors read those uh, promos warning of fake and biased news echoing Donald Trump in them. But it was before the promos went viral and became a national topic of discussion over the over this past week. He resigned. He told CNN uh, uh, CNN Money that he was concerned about Sinclair's corporate mandates for the past year and a half and that the promos were just the last straw. 
He said, quote, this is almost forcing local news anchors to lie to their viewers. He said the feeling that he had was shared by others but uh, at his station, but they didn't want to say anything, uh, and he didn't want to say anything to imperil his colleagues in his resignation letter. Uh, again, before all of this went viral, uh, he shared the uh, letter with uh, CNN uh, and said uh, that the that uh, he had he had been required as a producer there to air several segments that made him very uncomfortable. He cited that news media bashing promo. He had joined the um, the station KHGI, uh, which is known as NTV in Omaha, nearly four years ago, before they were were acquired by Sinclair in 2015. They have been buying up, so a lot of these people were at these stations long before they became Sinclair stations. Sinclair propaganda outlets. Yeah, that's right. He said he had noticed must-run requirements from corporate becoming more and more common in late 2016. Hmm, what was going on in late 2016 that might have led these st- this company to require more and more right-wing must-run terror desk news alerts? Hmm. Simmons echoed what staffers at other stations have also described, which is top-down mandates to take up local news time with these national stories with a right-wing bent. At one point, when higher-ups noticed that he was only running about 60% of those must-run stories, his boss got in trouble for that. So uh, Simmons says he has no other job lined up, but he felt he had to step down when the promos were mandated. Good for him. Aaron Weiss, I mentioned earlier, uh, he had been a news director at a Sinclair-owned station back in 2013. He described the dynamic on CNN's Newsday on Wednesday and explained what is just so insidious about what Sinclair is doing here. The problem with what Sinclair does is they co-opt the credibility that local anchors have built up in their communities over years and decades and use that credibility to promote a political agenda. And that, to me, is what is so ethically inappropriate about what Sinclair does. These are stations that people have been watching, trusting locally for decades. I remember my mother, my uh, grandmother used to have uh, the NBC4 station on in St. Louis. Basically, we thought her TV didn't have any other channels <laughs> on it because it was always on. She always watched the same station, the same local news anchors that she trusted. And now these are the people who, uh, as you heard uh, Weiss saying, there are now being co-opted. Uh, their credibility is being uh, co-opted. Um, so why don't they quit? Why don't these people walk away? I, I think uh, Matthew's comment from that San Antonio station that, you know, she needs to support her family. That's probably uh, what keeps most of these folks from leaving. This is not a great atmosphere for, you know, well-paying journalism jobs. Trust me. No, they're not. Uh, 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 but at least not. I mean, in the major markets, yes. But in these lower mid mid and and lower level markets, uh, they are not well paid at all. Uh, there are stories that I've been reading recently. Well, no, some of them are well paid, right. but there's not a lot of availability because these stations are disappearing and that's merging also true. And so there yeah. are not that many to choose right. from. If it's something that you've set your career on, it's a very difficult to leave an actual paying job. But in these smaller markets, they are not paid well. Mm-hmm. There are anchors who actually have to double as bartenders mm. and waiters. To nor- in order to make enough money in these small markets. In addition 
to um, you know the idea that they, they need to put food on the table, there is another reason, an insidious reason, and frankly, the, you know that they don't want to leave these stations. And frankly, it should be added to the list of why the FCC should, but almost certainly won't, block. Sinclair's purchase of Tribune Media, some Sinclair employees have contracts with severe penalties if they dare to quit, which and these are kind of amazing to me. Um, Bloomberg has this uh, yesterday. According to copies of employment contracts reviewed by Bloomberg News, some Sinclair employees were subject to liquidated damages clauses for leaving before the term of their agreement was up. What's a liquidated damage clause? Well, it's one that requires that these employees actually pay as much as 40% of their annual compensation to the companies for the right to stop working for the companies. Uh, this is uh, these are amazing. While they were also subject to a six month non-compete clause and forced arbitration just to make things worse. Three current and former Sinclair employees said it was the potential financial penalty that had the greatest impact on those thinking of quitting these stations. One current employer, uh, I'm sorry, employee who, again, requested anonymity, said the clause's limitation are the reason that he has yet to quit. A former employee, who also another one uh, who also requested anonymity, said that both the non-compete and the damages clause dissuaded her at first from looking for work elsewhere. Multiple employment lawyers said the damages clause wouldn't turn up in most employment contracts. They're pretty rare for ordinary workers, at least. Uh, according to uh, one attorney who was interviewed, but they're more, they're somewhat more common in the broadcast industry, specifically when dealing with on-air talent. However, Sinclair has employees, some employees who have never appeared on television yet were still required to sign these contracts. Yeah. The company has sought to enforce those contracts. For example, uh, last October, they sued... James Beaton, a former employee of Sinclair Station WPEC News 12 in West Palm Beach, Florida, for breach of contract. And the company requested $5,700 in damages and other related costs, according to a copy of the complaint that was filed in state court. And this is a guy who had uh, quit. He was a reporter for uh, uh, for that CBS affiliate in West Palm Beach after he was ordered to do man-on-the-street interviews that he felt were politically biased. He said, I'd, I'd ask loaded questions like, how much do you disagree with Obama this year? He said he was disgusted. Uh, it, it, it was uh, disguised as real journalism, he said, but I'm a Republican and I was still... P- ticked by it. <laughs> uh, he said uh, Sinclair offered to settle the lawsuit. He told them to go jump in the lake. Uh, a second woman uh, now employed by uh, Sinclair who also requested anonymity said she wasn't fully aware of the damages clause and its ramification until someone had pointed it out. She's worried about needing a lawyer if she quit. It's going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, just to be able to leave. Yeah, just to be able to leave or to fight the amount of money it would cost them to be able to leave. 
because now they have to pay attorneys to get out of their own contract. Uh, oh, and oh, yeah, the company wants them all to uh, go into forced arbitration instead of going to court. So, yeah, uh, you know, yes, a lot of these people obviously have to make a living, but many of them are, frankly, at this point, slaves to indentured servitude. Yeah, to these onerous contracts uh, from this right wing organization, which has been which has taken over their company where they maybe have worked for years and have co-opted their long-earned local credibility to push this far-right Trump agenda on an unsuspecting public. As Pam Vogel noted earlier this week on this show, there is no Sinclair logo that is branding uh, these stations. They're all affiliates of different broadcast networks, and it's all being done over your public airwaves. Airwaves, in theory that are owned by we the people, which is why the FCC regulates these companies in the first place, or or at least they're supposed to, or at least they used to. And Democrats, I'm very sad to say, gave up the fight to protect those airwaves from this sort of thing decades ago. And frankly, look around you. This is where we now are. Quick break, and we're back with more after this. I'm Brad Friedman, owned by no one. Well, no one but you uh, and those who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. All right. This is your Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. School may be out for summer uh, in Oklahoma. We'll see. We have, we have been reporting over the past several months, years actually, I think, Des, um, how the state of Oklahoma has been giving these huge tax cuts to oil and gas companies. Oh, yeah. Which have subsequently devastated the state budget. That has led to huge cuts to... You guessed it, education and in some districts, four day school weeks because it's gotten so bad. So according to AP, when Oklahoma Republicans finally passed a massive tax hike for hundreds of millions of new dollars for public schools and teacher pay raises, they thought that they would get a thank you. Instead, as AP reports today, educators and their supporters marched on the Capitol. And they have been marching on the Capitol. Uh, Their protests and uh, school closures to go along with it uh, continued on Thursday now for a fourth straight day amid a movement in red states from West Virginia to Kentucky to Arizona to press for more money in the classrooms. 
Oklahoma's Republican Governor Mary Fallon did herself no favors this week when she said that uh, teachers who are currently protesting for increases in school funding were like a teenage kid that wants a better car. On Tuesday, Fallon had signed a bill giving teacher support staff like teachers' aides and janitors a uh, $1,250 raise. And last week, she had signed a measure that gave teachers $6,000 in a pay raise, finally, after that uh, these big tax hikes. But she only added an additional $50 million to school funding when teachers were asking for $200 million more. Again, not for them, but for school funding. For an entire state. That's when Fallon, uh, who had been uh, cutting funding for uh, to schools for years in favor of those huge tax breaks to oil and gas companies in the state. That's when she likened the uh, teachers to spoiled teenagers. Teachers want more, but it's kind of like having a teenage kid that wants a better car. But true, but their car has been taken away over the last 10 years. Well, it has been a difficult time, and that's why I'm very proud that this year we were able to get something done for our teachers. G- good for that report. Do we know who that reporter was? That no, was a I don't CBS have his name affiliate? written down, no. Who says, yeah, but you've taken their car away for the past 10 years. Yeah, she's been cutting away not only at their actual salaries, not only at education funding, but also they now have to pay higher health care costs and they also have higher required pension contributions. So that all eats away at this raise that she gave them. And the schools are Vox, uh, Vox.com uh, reporter Alexia Campbell had posted several pictures. Did you see these pictures, Des? Of crumbling textbooks that the students are forced to use in Oklahoma. And I mean, they're literally stacks of textbooks that look as if they went through a flood or a fire. Well, they actually might have or a tornado. Uh, well, that's true. That could have in Oklahoma. But uh, no, in this case, I mean, these they were just used. They haven't been replaced for years. Yeah, there were teachers that were complaining that they only had something like 30 books for 45 to 50 kids in every single class. Oh, right. They have, they've made the class sizes larger. They've had to uh, they've cut teachers. They've lowered their pay. Uh, They went, like I said, to those four-day school weeks. CBS correspondent Omar Villafranca tweeted on Wednesday that uh, Governor Fallon had had also said that outside groups were involved in the protests at the Capitol, including Antifa. Oh, please. Yes, uh, a left-leaning anti-fascist group uh, (laughs) that... uh, often disparages right-wingers, well, uh, but Antifa, really, yeah, Governor? Yeah, they're the that people what? that go after the white supremacists. So I don't think Antifa is there trying to force her to give more money to the kids of Oklahoma. No, but if you say Antifa enough on Fox News, then uh, the right-wingers will uh, be alarmed and uh, feel sorry for you or something ridiculous like that. Oklahoma school districts, uh, as I note, have been forced to shorten their school weeks, basically so that teachers would have time to work extra jobs at the same time uh, or otherwise just make it attractive enough for teachers to want to work in the state at all because the pay is so low. Oklahoma ranks 49th among the 50 states in teacher pay. So they're basically saying, yeah, we, we don't pay you much, but you get long weekends. How's that? Good luck with those student loans. <clears throat> I mean, can you imagine if cops 
uh, or or firefighters or members of the military were demanding more money, more resources, which, by the way, they get constantly. No problem, you know, giving raises to to cops and firefighters and the military. Uh, I mean, but can you ever imagine a governor calling one of these people, comparing them to a spoiled kid who, who wants a better car? Oh, these police, they just want better cars. They don't get enough. That would never happen. We throw money, of course, at police and firefighters and the military all the time. But teachers, shouldn't they get the same kind of respect as our first responders and as our military? Apparently not. Apparently not in red states anyway, where where tax cuts for rich people and corporations that continually uh, gut spending on education and on infrastructure, those tax cuts, those take precedence over our kids. And notice these states where these teachers have been striking in recent weeks, all Republican states that have gutted spending in order to give these huge tax breaks to rich people who do not need them. West Virginia, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Arizona. In Kansas, the state Supreme Court ordered the state to increase funding to schools, uh, despite the, 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 the state Republicans having gutted the budget for these big tax cuts in what Governor Sam Brownback, who, by the way, he's been he's no longer governor. He's been promoted. He's been promoted for his failure in Kansas. He's been promoted by Donald Trump to become an ambassador. Anyway, Brownback had called Kansas a laboratory for so-called pro-growth Reaganomics tax cut policies. Well, this experiment in Kansas and everywhere else has failed. And our kids are paying the price for it in these states. And thankfully now, the people you know most affected by it, these teachers, are standing up all over the country. Again, it's the women, the women who are running for office this year. Yeah. Um, and now, by the way, we're doing the same thing at the national level with the Trump GOP tax cuts that have devastated these various state budgets. So what could possibly go wrong there? And these are all states where teachers were all told to told to go to hell by these same people who pretend that they give a damn about taking care of and protecting our children. Well, you know who else they pretend to give a damn about in red states like Kentucky? My administration is putting an end to the war on coal. Going to have clean coal, really clean coal. We love our coal miners. Oh, yeah, they love them. We've ended the war on beautiful, clean coal, and uh, our miners uh, have been mistreated, but they're not being mistreated anymore. No, they're not being mistreated anymore. That's, uh, what's her name? Janine Pyro Pyro, on Fox News or something like that. Des, you have reported on our Green News report that there's been a disturbing return of black lung disease. Oh, not only a return, a surge. A surge, A record surge. In all over coal country of late for some reason. But as Janine Pirro said there, uh, echoing uh, Donald Trump on Fox News, our coal miners, they've been mistreated uh, for so long, but, but no longer. What, Really? A measure signed into law in Kentucky this past week. Remember, they love our coal miners in Kentucky. A measure signed into law this past week would prevent federally certified radiologists from judging x-rays 
in-state black lung compensation claims, leaving diagnoses of the disease mostly to physicians who, wait for it, typically work for the coal companies themselves. The new law requires that only pulmonologists, these are doctors who specialize in the lungs and respiratory system, assess diagnostic black lung x-rays when state black lung claims are filed. This according to an excellent investigative report from NPR. Uh, Up until now, they note radiologists who work in evaluating all types of x-rays and other diagnostic images have been allowed to diagnose the disease as well. But there are just six pulmonologists in the entire state of Kentucky. I'm sorry. Say that again, please. Six, six pulmonologists there in Kentucky. There are only six doctors in Kentucky who are in all of Kentucky, the entire state of Kentucky, who are given the permission to diagnose black lung. That's right. The okay. uh, That's is and And by the way, it's not even six. Four of them are routinely hired by the coal companies themselves or their insurers, according to NPR's review of federal black lung cases. So four of them are already owned by the coal companies, and the other two remaining pulmonologists have uh, generally assessed x-rays on behalf of coal miners, but one is semi-retired, and his federal certification to do this expires as of June, leaving just one. Among the radiologists excluded by the law is Dr. Brandon Crum. He helped expose the biggest clusters ever documented of complicated black lung, which is an advanced advanced stage of the fatal disease that strikes coal miners. And it's striking more young miners now than it ever has in the history of, of black lung. Phil Wheeler, an attorney in Pikeville, Kentucky, who represents coal miners seeking State Black Lung Benefits said the coal industry is writing this bill to exclude certain doctors that they don't like. Obviously, the uh, changes are part of uh, sweet. And actually, I don't even know if they are doctors they don't like. I mean, that's what he says. And he's probably right there. But I think they're just trying to make it harder. You know, if there's only six doctors who can even review these cases, it delays uh, their, their benefits. Yeah. Try traveling to one of them when you're sick. And a lot of these people just end up dying before they ever get their benefits. Yeah, it takes a long time to get those benefits. This is uh, this this change in Kentucky where, you know, they love their minors is part of a uh, sweeping reforms to workers' compensation law in the state. Oh, those are called reforms, are they? Yeah, that's what they're calling them. Uh, Dr. Crum, he's the most visible of the excluded radiologists. His clinic in Coal Run Village, Kentucky, was the focus of a 2016 study by epidemiologists from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, otherwise known as NIOSH. They verified 60 cases of complicated black lung that had been diagnosed in a period of about 20 months in 2015 and 2016. NIOSH had previously reported 99 cases nationwide over a five-year period. And at the same time, NPR uh, reported nearly 1,000 cases across central Appalachia, prompting NIOSH epidemiologists to declare it the worst epidemic of complicated black lung that they have ever seen. And yet they're making it harder for uh, these folks to get compensation for it. Dr. Crum said throughout the U.S., I know of nowhere 
where radiologists are taken completely out of the evaluation for potential black lung disease. That's what we are primarily trained in, he says. This is just amazing because, uh, as a matter of fact, a a study uh, done at West Virginia University uh, by Dr. Uh, Edward Petsonk, who has decades of experience and uh, research focused on black lung, he pointed to a 1999 report um, finding that two-thirds of the radiologists passed a pass-fail statistics, two-thirds of them, but the the success rate for pulmonologists on the same test was just 54%. So the radiologists are better at identifying this, and yet they have been excluded from doing so. Uh, As I noted, some miners have waited more than a decade uh, for decisions when it comes to federal benefits for black lung. Some die before receiving them, and state benefits have traditionally been much quicker and more generous to miners. But that now seems to be changing, says Evan Smith, an attorney at the Appalachian Citizens Law Center in Whitesburg. It looks like just another step in the race to the bottom to gut worker protections. We're racing to the bottom uh, of a lot of stuff, it seems like, in this country right now. So uh, I'm glad to see teachers standing up in red states. I won't be surprised if coal miners start standing up in some of these states and saying enough is enough. I hope so. Although there's not that many of them left to... Uh, who aren't sick. Who, who aren't sick or even employed at this point since the coal business is all but done. And not a moment too soon. All right, a quick break, and we are back. Uh, well, with more sort of along these lines, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report, and maybe some Scott Pruitt news. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Hey, Des. Yep. Does uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt still have a job? So far, so good. He hasn't been fired yet. Not yet. No, nope, right. not yet. Not by the time we go to air. By the time uh, some of our affiliates hear today's show. However, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's really bad. There's this new New York Times story that just came out, like right before we went to air, mm-hmm. at new revelations that five top EPA officials who either objected to or challenged EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt's spending mm-hmm. of taxpayer money, you know, like his first class travel and the unprecedented costs of his security demands, those officials were all either demoted or transferred or removed or asked to leave their jobs. And one of them was, uh, like four of them, I think, were career officials who yeah, had been very at the EPA while. Highly, right. Another one, however, was a Trump appointee. He was also 
moved out because he dared question some of these calls. And these were, were like insane security uh, requirements that, that Scott Pruitt had. Yeah, okay. So, for example, in the New York Times story, one EPA political appointee was placed on administrative leave without pay after she objected to a proposal to spend $70,000 to replace two desks in Pruitt's office. One was his personal desk and the other was a bulletproof desk at the security station outside his office. And he also, in addition to all of that $70,000, he also wanted a bulletproof vehicle and he wanted to expand his security detail to more than 20 people. Which I think is three times what the previous uh, EPA administrators had for a security detail. It's a really long story at the New York Times. Uh, broke just before we went to air, so I didn't even get to read all of it uh, thoroughly. But it's kind of amazing. Before that story came out, the White House this morning uh, was, you would think they'd be standing behind Scott Pruitt because uh, he's doing so much of what they want here, but even they now are saying, oh, you know what, maybe not on Scott Pruitt. Yeah, this is the White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley on Fox News. Uh, I can't speak to the future of Scott Pruitt. I can just talk about where we are now, and that is that uh, the White House uh, is aware uh, of these uh, reports. Uh, we're obviously looking into those. We don't have any uh, announcements to make as regards to staffing right now, right but now. Uh, we're aware, and uh, you know, we, we believe that some of these questions need to be answered. But look, the president wants and demands, quite frankly, from his cabinet and from all the staffers, the highest level of uh, ethics, uh, ethical behavior. Uh, we want people to comply oh with ethics. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, we're looking sure. into this uh, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the president wants that level of accountability uh, uh, for everyone who works. So, oh, yes. Sure he does. If there's anything Donald Trump wants, it's accountability. We can't say for now, for now, but he's, he's, he's all right. We're looking at it. Uh, we'll get back to you later. Bye. Yeah. His days are numbered, I think. But we'll see. And who comes after him? Well, that's a story for another day that may not be so good. All right. We better get to it. Our latest Green News report. By 2050, the Northeast is expected to have up to 130 days a year of tidal flooding. Buried NOAA study predicts dramatic increase in high tide flooding. A day after Donald Trump hit China with $50 billion of new tariffs, Beijing has shot back. Trump's trade war to hit U.S. automakers, farmers, and yes, oil drillers. Americans tell Interior Department to take a hike over national park fee increases. Plus, we do think that a prudent company should take steps to do what it can to try to reduce its own and its customers' emissions of greenhouse gases. Major oil CEO admits fossil fuels cause climate change 20 years ago. All of that 20-year-old news and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. If you go out to the year 2100, it's 365 days a year of tidal flooding. With a study of this magnitude, it's surprising we haven't heard more about it. Yes, I'm shocked. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, what a study warning about climate change that 
we haven't heard much about? <laughs> yeah, that's what we have. A major new study that was quietly published last week by NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It has grim implications for U.S. coastal cities. It projects that some coastal cities, primarily on the East Coast and the Gulf Coast, will flood every other day at high tide, and that's all within the next 30 years. Mm. And that's the moderate scenario. That gives very little time for coastal communities to prepare. But the Trump administration released the study without so much as even a press release. Weather Channel meteorologist Kate Parker noted that wasn't all that was unusual about this study. With a study of this magnitude, it's surprising we haven't heard more about it which has led some to speculate it was quietly released under NOAA due to pressures from the current administration. And others have noted that this 56-page study about sea level rise did not once mention climate change. It's not climate change. It's just magic. A different study published in Nature this week warns that flooding along the Mississippi River is worse now than at any other time in the last 500 years and that human intervention is to blame. Researchers say that as much as 75 percent of the increased flood risk along the Mississippi River can be attributed to human efforts to confine and contain the river. That dams, levees and walls have served to increase the destructive force of the Mississippi floodwaters, making the floods faster, bigger and more powerful than they otherwise would have been without human intervention. Or magic. In politics, the Trump administration announced new proposed tariffs on 1,300 Chinese imports this week. Politico reports that U.S. electric car makers will take a hit because Trump's new list slaps a 25 percent tariff on a host of battery technologies. Trump's broadened the list to include types of steel and iron used by a wide array of U.S. manufacturers and the oil and gas drilling industry. China, in retaliation, has released its own proposed list of tariffs on U.S. agriculture exports that will impact U.S. farmers. Meanwhile, we've been reporting on the multiple state investigations and lawsuits into whether oil giant ExxonMobil and other oil companies lied to the public and their investors for decades about what they knew about the science of climate change. Now, a 20-year-old video obtained by Think Progress shows then-Mobil Oil CEO Lucio Noto explicitly admitting that the oil industry's product contributes to global warming. We think it could potentially be a big issue. We do think that a prudent company should take steps to do what it can to try to reduce its own and its customers' emissions of greenhouse gases as best it can. So there he is, the CEO of Mobile at the time, admitting that his product causes global warming. No, it turns out it's not magic at all. (laughs) Right. But then he says Mobile is only responsible for 5% of it. He blames the rest on... Our customers using our products probably account for 95% of those emissions. So it's his customers that he's selling it to who are burning it. It's all their fault. Yeah. And a year later, Exxon bought Mobile and instead spent millions of dollars on funding climate change denial groups. Finally, some good news. The Washington Post reports that Americans have told the Department of Interior to take a hike over its plan to triple the cost of entrance fees for 17 national parks. During the required public comment period on the policy change, the Interior Department received nearly 110,000 comments, and according to one tally, 98 percent angrily opposed the fee hikes. The backlash caused Interior to consider other options. I'm just shocked that they paid attention to any of those public comments. 
That is some good news. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, ho, ho, it's magic, you know. Never believe it's not so. <laughs> so it's not it's magic, magic that's no, causing No, it's not change. magic. So, uh, let's see. We now know Exxon knew decades ago. We now know Mobile Oil knew decades ago. And we have now learned... Oh, yeah. Today, there was a treasure trove of documents that were revealed from Shell Oil that reveal that Shell Oil also knew their own scientists also told them that their product was causing dangerous global warming all the way back in 1988. And, of course, what did they do? They hid what they knew. And they lied about it to the public. We'll have more on that in our next thrilling episode of the Green News Report. I'm sure we will. Uh, it's just amazing. And these suckers and these chumps who have, like Scott Pruitt, who have been doing their their bidding and going out there and basically lying on behalf of these companies who knew better, who all knew better. Who are basically selling out everyone and the entire human race to come yeah. after us for a couple of du- a couple of bucks. Yep. Incredible. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. My uh, thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. I hope it was a pleasant portion. <laughs> uh, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free, along with all of the other broadcasts we have done ever at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Or I hope you'll find, follow, and share me as well and our show as well. I am simply the Brad Blog. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves, at least until Sinclair buys us up or Shell, Shell Oil. or Exxon uh, <laughs> decides Decide. to sponsor us. Yeah. Yeah, until then, it's only you at bradblog.com slash donate. So thank you for that. All right, that's it. Until we meet again with more cheery news, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 